0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, the nine o'clock was just a blast, and so I know that we'll have a good time today as well. Thanks for the music, the worship. What a uh, what a great time. So um, I love your church. I was here just a little over a year ago, and can I tell you that um, this is like a thousand times more people that was here than a year, a year ago. There was like four of us here last time, three or four of us, and it was in, uh, beginning of April, and it was, you know, the beginning of the, the, the lockdown, and so uh, I know Pastor Matt was scrambling and getting cameras up and trying to make it happen so you could watch us. Anybody remember the service that I, when I was, uh, here a couple, Oh, about a year ago. Is, did anybody remember it online? Some of you do. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, I barely remember it, but I remember being here. The room was dark. The cameras were on. Uh, Pastor Matt and I sat across from uh, on stools right here and just talked about our mission, and we were able to share. I was able to share my heart with, with you as a church through the camera, and it was a crazy time. So, um, So we had just started this process that we are kind of getting to the end of now of basically sharing our mission, sharing what we're called to do, but needing to gain partnership to do that. And we do that through churches and through individuals who partner with us financially, prayerfully, that sort of thing, so that we can do this. And so we had just started this journey and uh, raising money, gaining support partnerships. And uh, this was like fall of 2019. So I had a bunch of meetings scheduled for the beginning of, of 2020, like March through May was packed. And we all know what happened. Uh, March came and everything just shut down. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like I was, I had it planned out. I had it in my mind how it was going to go. And so I was, you know, we were a little discouraged. We were like, what is going to happen? And so I remember talking to Pastor Matt, which I love your pastor. You, you know him probably better than I do. I've known him longer than most of you do, but uh, him and I go back probably, oh, this is crazy. College was 15 years ago. Wow. Am I that old? Yeah, I think I think that's true. Fifteen years ago. Um, anyways, I've known him since college. But uh, him and I talked, and he was like, "Hey, I have. We're gonna be online anyways. Just come over to the church. We'll 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 just do it that way." And I'm like, "Dude, that's awesome." So the way I come over. I share my heart and listen. I remember, uh, I remember at the end of the service, he said, uh, "He said all you guys are watching. Our church family, you're watching." He said. If you think we should partner with this family in this mission uh give the thumbs up emoji how many of you gave the thumbs up emoji that day come on praise the lord i jokingly said that day i remember i said and just give the poopy emoji if you don't want to you know just to give it the other way but uh but listen you don't even know and i cried in the nine o'clock service so i'm not going to cry right now but uh you don't even know what that meant to us in our heart i might cry see i shouldn't talk about it again it was a difficult time like we were a little bit discouraged we had our plan Covid ruined our plan, and uh, for you guys to take that step of faith, I know you all had your own uh, uh, struggles that you were going through. The church was trying to figure out how to do church, and you guys partnered with us. And um, man, it means so much to us. And so, uh, so I love your church. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm glad that Pastor Matt heard I was speaking, so he skipped town. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. Um, but no, I do love that guy. He's a good guy, a good father, and a good pastor. And uh, so, just a little bit about our testimony. Some of you may have heard it um, when I gave the online uh, last year. But uh, my wife's here. She uh, is here crying as well. Don't make me cry more. Come on, enough with the tears. Uh, get it together, Joseph. I've come from Nebraska. So I grew up in Nebraska. Um, has anybody ever been to Nebraska? Come on. Did you drive through Nebraska? Did you drive through it all the way through? No? Okay. All right. You enjoy Nebraska. If you've driven through Nebraska, you hate it. If you just stop in Nebraska, it's the greatest place ever. But uh, it's a long, long state. But I I grew up there just south of Omaha and uh, loved it. My dad was a pastor, so I grew up in church as a pastor's kid. My wife comes from Ohio, and so she also grew up as a pastor's kid in church, and we met at college and uh, met young, got married young, had our oldest daughter Jalen here too young, and uh, life just happened quick for us. But we moved back to Nebraska after college, and we were in church ministry. So we joined up with the staff at my father's church, and it was a blast. We served there for 10 years in a multitude of capacities, um, and was just doing different things as you do in church ministry, a church uh, similar size to this. And then we were able to build a new church building during my time there, so that was a blast. Um, But thank God, we felt God leading us from Nebraska, a church and ministry that we loved, to Ohio, where her father was, is pastoring, and the goal that they were wanting to do was to build a new church building, and I have some construction experience, and so we said, you know, we're going to go help this church do a church building project, and we got there, and we did the planning phase, and we got to a point just after about seven months of being there where it became clear that the church was not ready to take that next step to build. And, um, to be honest, that was a little bit of a blow for me and, and our family because we had left a ministry that we loved to go serve, uh, in Ohio and we were still serving in a way, but it wasn't what we had thought. And so we were maybe a little frustrated, um, asking God, why, you know, God, why did this happen? And, um, can I tell you this morning too, that God's not intimidated when we ask him why, you know, sometimes we, a healthy relationship is one that can ask difficult questions, And for us during that time, it was a time of going, God, you got to show us. Like, we trust you, but we don't understand this. And if you haven't been there in life, you will be at some point. And that's where we were. And so we're just praying. And uh, God led us through a sequence of events that looking back on, we recognize put us exactly where we're supposed to be, doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. But man, going through that wilderness time of like the struggle and the uncertainties is frustrating. But uh, praise God, he's always faithful and he's always good. And so he led us to this ministry, Medical Missions Outreach. And this ministry was established, um, man, 18 years ago now, 2003 is when it was established. And there was a pastor named Bradley and his wife, Kelly, who was a nurse. And they were pastoring down in Alabama. And uh, his wife had some friends who were going to travel on what they called a medical missions trip. And she had never done that, and he had never done that, and so she came home one day and told Bradley, hey, my friends are going on a medical missions trip, I'd like to go as well as a nurse, you know, and serve people, and he thought, okay, I'll go with you. He's a pastor, so they decided to go on this trip, and it was uh, to Peru, I believe, and they were just amazed as they set up a clinic there for the people who didn't have access to medicine and the things that they need, and they were just serving people, helping people with their, their needs as they would come to the clinic. But then they, were, they had the opportunity also to tell them about the ultimate healer, Jesus Christ. And so people would come in for their physical needs, and they would leave with their spiritual needs met. And, man, they came back from that trip just with warm hearts going like, that was amazing. We had never done anything like that, but that was so cool. And so the next summer comes around, and um, they the same group wasn't traveling. And so they said, why don't we just take our own medical missions trip? And so Bradley called a friend of his in Honduras who was a missionary and said, hey, can we bring a team of nurses and do a a medical missions trip at your church? And he said, sure, we've never done anything like that, but let's try it. And so they advertised medical clinic and brought the nurses down. And sure enough, same thing. Uh, We're able to help people with their physical needs, but then tell them about the love of Christ. And so that's just the, the really humble beginning of what is now a large ministry that God has just blessed in an abundant way Um, and it's grown. And so when we got introduced to the ministry almost two years ago now, um, the need was so great to have more support help, more support staff. Bradley, who founded the ministry, um, had been traveling on almost every international trip, and that just became so much. As his family was growing older, he was on the road all the time leading these trips, and so I'm, my role is to kind of help share that with him. And so what we do is we get teams of volunteers from the states, and so maybe 25 to 45 people, and sometimes it's doctors, nurses, dentists, optometrists, and sometimes it's just people without any medical background. And we form this team of people from the states, and we take them into a a country. In fact, our team just got back last night from El Salvador, and the team partners with a Host missionary, we call them. So that'd be a local church there in El Salvador. And that church gets a group of people from their church, and we work together to provide this medical clinic to what the community that we're serving. And it's so important to us to partner with that host missionary because we fully understand our ministry is gonna be there for about a week, and then we're gonna come back to the States. Listen, we're not gonna be the fix-all, end-all for those people, but we can bring large amounts of people to a place where they came for physical healing, but they can most importantly be introduced to Jesus Christ. And so when these people come into the clinic, they get greeted by somebody from the host missionaries church. That way it's somebody that lives in their community and they say, hey, welcome to the clinic. They register them. They bring them into the, maybe the triage or the whatever area they're going to see, the optical clinic to get glasses. And then our team helps them with, uh, with the glasses, with the medicine, whatever it is. And then somebody from the host church takes them into what's called the evangelism area. And that area is an area where one-on-one they hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and somebody tells them, hey, listen, um, what you just received, I I remember going to South Africa for the first time with this ministry, and I traveled to South Africa and worked in the optical clinic, because I'm not a medical professional, and so we're fitting people for glasses, right? And we get long lines of people. I mean, they were lining up at 3, 4 in the morning to come to the clinics. And so we're just serving people the fastest we can. And um, so, but man, some people, you would put these glasses on and maybe they had never had glasses or it's been four or five years since they had glasses. And can I tell you, South Africa is an expressive culture anyways, but there was dancing, singing, praising the whole thing because they could see clearly. Like, it's so cool to be able to help people with that. But then most, what's amazing then is knowing that what they came for, which was their eyesight, they received. They can now see clearly, but then they're going to go and be introduced to somebody that can heal their heart, can, can really make them whole and complete. And it's such a rewarding thing to be able to go and to travel with this ministry. And so that's where our path is. That's where we're at. Um, you know, it's honestly still weird to be called a missionary because I, I, I'm just a person that's trying to help others for, it, you know, for Christ. And so um, I tell people all the time, I, 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 um, I'm thankful for where God's led us. Um, and I really don't have any special testimony that got here. I know that in Acts chapter nine, Saul is walking on the road to Damascus, right? And he sees that bright light and all of a sudden now his life has changed. That's not my testimony. I have more of a, a testimony where Jesus saw the fisherman. He said, hey, follow me. And they left their net, and they followed him. And then he went to the next one and said, follow me, Andrew, and they followed him. And my testimony is just one of a response to God saying, follow me. And really, that's probably what most of Christianity is about. It's just about simply following Christ where he leads us. And so I hope that's your testimony as well. Uh, But what I'd like to do is I'd like to share a quick video of January, we went to El Salvador with our first clinic back after we had got grounded for a long while. In 2020, of course, because we're in a ministry that goes, we had to stay home for quite a while. We got two trips in in 2020, and then we had to postpone the remaining 10 trips and put them on this year's calendar. And so, in, in January 1st, we were back on the road and we went down to El Salvador and served at a clinic there. So, I have a little like cheesy selfie video, but it gives you a picture of what a clinic looks like. And so, I want you to see that, and it'll just help you visualize a little bit about what we do as a ministry. So we'll show that now, and then I'll come back. Hey friends, Joseph Wicks here with Medical Missions Outreach. Just wanted to give you a quick video to show you what's happening here in El Salvador. Our team has been down here serving for a couple of days now. We're on day three of our clinics, and it's going really well. Uh, We are basing out of San Miguel, but uh, we are traveling to different communities, different provinces, where the main host church in San Miguel has been having influence with starting churches or helping other churches. And so today we are in Chapotica, and uh, this is about 30 minutes away from San Miguel. And this is gonna be a community where they're gonna plant a church this year. And so we are helping to get that established. And so I'm gonna flip the camera around if I can. So here we see the uh, crowd of people that have come to attend the clinic. It is um, just uh, the waiting area out here. These people all have a number, and so they're waiting to be seen and uh, this is a registration part of the clinic and as we come through here. All right, so this here is some evangelism going on, uh, say hi, <laughs> there we go, some evangelism area. Here's some uh, people seeing some more high-risk uh, patients who might have um, possible symptoms for uh, COVID, but they're seeing them outside being very careful to uh, keep that separate. And then uh, here we have some more evangelism going on, all one-on-one personal evangelism. And this is the uh, general clinic here. See some triage area here, working hard. A very important part of the day is coffee, my best friend. (laughs) These folks are waiting. Okay, and as we come back out here to the vision clinic, this is what the vision clinic looks like. Yeah. Got Brandon working hard as always? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Allison, best translator in all of El, El Salvador? Maybe? Best? And the best controller. She controls this clinic by, you know, got some people sliding in with medical forms. And she gets them. She's on top of it. Too. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. All right, and here's our setup here. All the glasses, wonderful translators, fitting people here, doing the reading charts. So she, she's still not all. all right. I hope that gives you a little bit of a look inside of the clinic uh, that we're having here in El Salvador. And uh, just really praising God for the opportunity to be here to serve these wonderful people. And I had a really special experience just uh, about an hour ago. uh, I was able to fit a man with glasses and he came in with some old glasses that he said um, were just breaking. The uh, edges were, uh, the the earpiece was coming off and that sort of thing. And so he, uh, I fit him for the glasses. Then after I fit him, he told the interpreter, he said, I got these glasses from you guys last time you were here. And so uh, just a couple years ago, he had those glasses from a clinic and they were just getting worn down. And he told me as I was fitting him, he said, I am a Christian. And uh, he was already a Christian, but he came back to get new glasses because the ones he was using for these last couple of years uh, had just fallen and broken apart after so much use. And so what a blessing to be able to fit someone uh, for a second time with new glasses that was serving him, that will serve him well for more years to come. So thank you for loving, uh, thank you for giving, thank you for supporting, and uh, don't stop. Don't stop donating these glasses. Don't stop uh, being involved with medical missions outreach as God allows. Uh, Wonderful things are happening here and we're so grateful for it. So God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, helps give a little bit of a, a visual of what a clinic looks like, and uh, certainly it is it 's different this year uh, with the, the post pandemic situation in these countries that we 're serving and so the pace has to be a little bit slower. I know when we were in El Salvador the first time we saw um, i think of the what the numbers were I believe just under a thousand patients in the week, and then we were able to see. 201 of them uh, accept Christ as their Savior that week. And so it's just neat to see um, God continuing to work, even in this unique time, the trip, the team that just returned from El Salvador yesterday was originally scheduled to go to Panama. That was the trip and uh, the government or the, the borders to Panama were open, but the government just was not working with us in a, a way that was allowing us to come in with our team and get all the approvals that we need. And so we switched it kind of last minute back to El Salvador to a different host missionary, uh, but to uh, the same country that we knew would let us come in. So, um, So that's going to kind of be our story as we go forward this year of uh, pushing where we can, understanding where God's closing the door and where he's opening the door. And so our next trip is scheduled uh, for next month in May. We're going to go to Dominican Republic. And so I'm excited to go there and serve. And then, boy, we have another 15 trips, I think, scheduled uh, this year. So a bunch of them happen in the summer and fall. And so we're just kind of gearing up now. So do be in prayer for that. In fact, on my table, I have um, our prayer card. And so if you would be so kind to consider uh, grabbing that, putting it up in a place that maybe I'll just remind you. Just just to pray for us uh, certainly this is a, a faith a journey of faith in the step for our family, man, we're stepping out, we're making a, a move to serve with this ministry, but even just the logistics and the functionality of during this, this post-pandemic uh, time is is just a faith journey. And so pray for us that God will open the doors in the right time. There are many countries that we're scheduled to go to this year that the borders just simply aren't open yet. And so we're going to trust that that will happen or we'll ha- find another place to go and serve, but, uh, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. There's plenty more to do. There's people hurting all around the world, and so we're going to do our best to meet the needs as we can. But there is some more information on the table. Just some general one about uh, take a journey, change a life is what this one says. It just gives some general information about traveling with us. And man, if you have ever considered traveling internationally on a missions trip, uh, grab a paper, jump on our website. There's so much information, but we still have spots left for this year and then we'll be uh, having next year's calendar coming up real soon to show the 2022 trips. And so uh, a lot is happening, but we need team members always. Maybe you're in medical, maybe you're not, but man, consider coming with us, pray about that. Um, Or maybe take one of these and give them to your provider. Maybe you have a, a doctor or nurse who you know is a kind, compassionate person that would want to travel. Hey, give them that and say, I met a medical missionary Would you consider traveling with them? And so that's our quest is always to gain more partnerships in that way. Um, But yes, that's, um, that's where we're at. And I'm really excited for all that God is doing. And thank you for your investment. Your investment in the kingdom is, um, is, is crucial to make this happen, to, to partner with people like you, to be able to go do this. It reaches beyond where you can reach, but it's all part of the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ each has a different function, and your function and my function might look a little bit different, but they're so equally important. And so don't stop. Continue serving, continue loving and giving, and, and uh, certainly that's how we'll reach others for the cause of Christ. But I do want to talk about that topic just a little bit today. Uh, reaching the world for the cause of Christ. What a daunting task. I uh, talked this morning, and I was corrected. I would called this area Dundalk, but this is technically Middle River is what I got told, right? And so Middle River, um, what is it? Bullies, quarters. Bullies oh, I'm, I'm wrong again. I can't get this right. So we're in Bullies' Quarters. So the nine o'clock didn't know what they were talking about. Oh, it can be White Marsh too? It can be so many things. Wow, this is quite confusing. Regardless, here we are in this place, right? And let's just let's just say that um, we'll general. No, we'll say we'll say Middle River, Bowleys Quarter's area, right? Think about the responsibility as Christians. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you understand that you have a responsibility to tell others about the good news. Somebody told you, right? Somebody introduced you to Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the the commission that we have in Matthew 28 is to go and to teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, right? That's our commission. And so that's what we're called to do. It might look different and play out a little different for all of us, but if you're a Christian, you're commissioned with that. That's what you're called to do. And so think about the, the task of every person that you see throughout this week if they live in Bullies Quarters, Middle River, White Marsh, whatever you want to call it, this area that's our responsibility, that's your responsibility. Boy, it can be a little bit daunting, right? You'll see people just at the market today, supermarket, at the restaurant you're about to go to, wherever you go, all these people are people who need Jesus Christ. And then zoom out a little bit further and you see Baltimore. Boy, go down into Baltimore and there are thousands of people who need Jesus Christ. That's their need. And if you're a Christian, you have the good news to share with them. And then if you zoom out a little farther, you can think about all the people in Washington, D.C. and New York City and Philadelphia and all these people need jesus christ and here we are as christians and it's our responsibility and if i'm being honest it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes me as a missionary i have a global lens so i look at the world as every person needs the cause of christ and so our ministry is doing our best to go to the corners of the world and just take the gospel to the areas but man it can be overwhelming sometimes but we're called to to reach others for for christ and i want to encourage you today in this way whatever it is that we are commanded to do as Christians or called to do as Christians, we can have confidence that the scripture tells us how we should do that. And even more specifically, we can have confidence to look at the life of Christ to see how, that, how Jesus did what we're called to do. You see, Jesus walked on this earth, and he was our example. That's our, our quest, is to be Christ-like. That process of sanctification is to be more like him. So we can look at the scriptures and say, okay, how did Jesus do what we're called to do? And I want to look at a story out of John chapter 9 today. If you'll go with me there, and we're going to read this story together of just Jesus living out his life and his ministry on earth. And I believe if we look at this story and apply it to our life, we will do a better job at reaching the Middle River, White Marsh, Bullish Quarters area for the cause of Christ. And so I want to uh, look at this passage, kind of just walk through it verse by verse, read a verse, give a little thought to it. And uh, I hope it can be a help and a challenge to us today. Um, you know, it's the week after Easter, and certainly Easter is like the, the hype, right, the climax. But can I tell you that even today, he's still alive. The grave's still empty, and we still have a lot of work to do as Christians. And so let's allow our hearts to be challenged today. Let's allow us to be hopefully encouraged by the truth that we read. But uh, let's pray that we'll open up our hearts to that this morning. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this church. or thank you for each and every person that this church represents. The ones who are there here this morning at nine o'clock, those who are here today. Uh, God, I love what you're doing here through this church. Thank you for Pastor Matt and his vision for reaching this local area, as well as reaching around the world through missionary partnerships. And God, I pray you would just continue uh, giving the leadership of this church wisdom, having a unified spirit throughout this church so that they can reach their community for the cause of Christ. But God, I pray today as we look at this passage of Scripture that we could be challenged, that we could even maybe see through a new lens and how Jesus reached people while he did his earthly ministry. And Lord, help us to just apply it to our life and live it out in the weeks ahead. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for it in your name we pray. Amen. Just to give you a quick context to where our passage is in John chapter 9, at this point, Jesus has begun his earthly ministry. And so he is claiming to be the Messiah. And of course that's uh, solicited different responses right there are some people who are very curious they knew that the messiah was coming and so they're they're following him around as the their messiah there's other people who are very um, uh, concerned about this because they see it a different way. They don't think this is the Messiah. They think he's a false claim. And so so there's people who are against him as well. And regardless, everywhere he goes right now, because of his claims, because of his miracles that he's doing, there are large groups of people that are following him around everywhere. It's often recorded in the Bible that Jesus had to get up really early in the morning and get a little bit of time alone because the rest of the day would just be large masses of people. And so we know this is the situation. In fact, in before we read chapter nine, let me... Back up just uh, one verse, chapter 8, verse 59. We see he had made a claim as the Messiah, and the result of that claim is in verse number 59 of chapter 8. Then they took up stones to cast at him. And so they're literally throwing stones at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So here's Jesus making a claim as the Messiah, telling these people what they need to hear, and they throw stones at him, and he has to run out of the temple beyond everybody. And that's where we pick up our story chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse number 1 says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And I want to notice, first of all, how the passage starts out. As Jesus passed by, Jesus was on his way somewhere, and he looks down and he sees this man. The first thing I want to draw to this just by kind of have just different statements is that Jesus always saw people as individuals even amongst the multitudes, the crowds, often it's recorded in the Bible that Jesus saw a person as an individual, one by one. I think about in Luke chapter 19, there's this large group of people following Jesus, and they short little Zacchaeus, right? You Remember that? And so he climbs up into the tree just to get a view of who Jesus is, and Jesus stops, and he looks up and says, hey, Zacchaeus, you come down, for you're going to go, I'm going to go home with you today. He saw Zacchaeus as an individual, somebody who needed individual attention. Think about Luke chapter 8, as there's large groups of people around Jesus, and there's one lady by faith just reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Remember that story? And he turns around and he says, who is it that touched me? You see, he he had this ability, even though there was large amounts of people, to notice people just as individuals, one by one. And can I tell you today, if we're going to live and love like Jesus, we have to do the same thing. Let me ask you just in a way of a challenge, when you look at people, what do you see? Most often, we just see, like, the masses, the multitudes. You go into the grocery store today, and does any particular person stand out to you as an individual, one who Jesus cares about? Because that's difficult for us because there's so many people, there's so many problems even in our world that when we go about our daily life, we just kind of are, are numb to it, right? We just see so much and we just go through our life as Christians seeing the, the masses but not seeing individuals. You see, can I tell you this, that when we generalize any issue in life, it's easy for us to generalize a solution, We do this with, like, politics sometimes. We generalize the issues, and therefore we make it really general the solution. Listen, when we make it personal, it becomes a lot more personal of a solution. But with Christianity, it's the same thing. When we personalize this thing of evangelism, this thing of sharing the love of Christ, when we look at people as individuals instead of multitudes, then it calls for a personal response. Man, even think about your workplace, where you're at for the most hours of the day, Sometimes we'll look at our workplace and with well-intended hearts we'll say, man, I hope these people can know about the love of Christ. I hope somebody can tell them about Jesus Christ. And we'll even pray, God, help these people. to." But what if we were to say, how about Jim, the one I pass by most, or the one who sits right across from me? What if i were to see him as someone that needs to know then it solicits a response a personal response you see jesus had the ability to see people as individuals i also noticed throughout scripture that jesus didn't see people as projects or problems you see this man that he looked at was a messy situation here's a blind man sitting there presumably begging but he didn't see it as a project or problem jesus when he saw people he always saw hope He always saw opportunity, somebody who who had a future ahead of them. And to be more like Christ, we need to see people not as projects or as problems. The disciples, they saw something, but they actually did see the project of the problem. They saw the wrong thing. Look at verse number two with me. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what I picture in this story, and I could be wrong, is that here's a group of people, here's the beggar sitting next to him, and Jesus stops and he just looks at this man. And I think he's looking at him, and that's when I think the disciples caught the attention, that he's looking at this man who was blind. And the disciples took the opportunity to ask a very culturally... a situation it was a cultural relevant question because in that day and age in that culture it would have been believed that if somebody's born blind or deaf or can't walk that there was a sin that took place and so they said you know what this is a good opportunity as jesus is looking at this man here begging let's ask him this question about this situation but the disciples when they looked at the man the problem is they didn't see the same thing as jesus Jesus looked down at this man, and Jesus was saying, man, what could be? This is a man who has a future. This is a man who has hope ahead of him. And the disciples looked at him and went, what, what went wrong here? Jesus, tell us what, what went wrong here, why this man is like this. And can I just warn us as Christians, if we're not careful in our sanctification process, our Christianese becomes more eloquent, right? We know how to speak the, the language and uh, act the part. If we're not careful, we'll see messy situations and we'll do what the disciples did and we'll wonder what went wrong here. What, what, what's, who didn't finish an education here? What, what father stepped out of the picture here? What, what drugs were involved here? We start asking these questions, maybe even well-intended, but they're not the way Jesus would see the person. Jesus would see the person and see hope and see opportunity and see a future. The disciples saw the same person but asked the wrong question. You see, God always sees hope in us. God always sees a future. Can I tell you even today, my family, if we were to walk in this building as visitors of Bethlehem Church, that we would, uh, we would be a problem as well. Because can I tell you that people are problems? That's just the way it is. But that's not how Jesus sees it. Jesus sees hope. Jesus sees opportunity. Jesus does give a response to their question in verse number three. It says, Jesus answered, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I like how Jesus responded to their question in verse number three, but let's notice how brief of his response it was. He said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And that could be a whole sermon just in itself, right? This is for God's glory is why this man is the way he is. But then he quickly goes on to state the urgency of the matter. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes, no man can work. He said, listen, we must live with urgency. Jesus lived with urgency because he knew his time was short. You see, Jesus only had but three years of earthly ministry. He, he lived this way, doing miracles and helping people for three years. And he said, listen, disciples, I want to teach you a lesson in this moment. I want you to understand something. Sure, this man has a problem, and you're asking the wrong questions. You're seeing the wrong thing. The most important thing is that we live with urgency and help when we can help. Do what we can do. And Jesus always lived with urgency. Have you ever worked against the clock? My son is 10, and he's in fourth grade. And uh, man, what I know about him, and he goes to school. But if he was homeschooled, and I was his teacher. Here's what I would know: if there's a math paper for my son to do, if I gave him that math paper and he likes math, he's good at math, so he'd sit down and he'd do that paper. But you know what? He might get a little distracted. He might get up and go to the bathroom. He might get a drink of water. He'd get the paper done eventually. But if I did a simple difference, one little difference, you know what that is? I set a 60-second clock. Listen, I set that clock in front of him with the countdown and I'm going to tell you that kid is just just going to town on that paper. Why? Because there's a clock, and a clock creates urgency. Um, How many of you have ever done uh, escape rooms? You ever done an escape room? Those are fun, right? Um, If you haven't done one, I'll, I go to, in different countries, I'll try to explain this to them. I remember telling people in South Africa about escape rooms, and I say, you know, there's, there's these companies that they, they get a space, and they, they, they build these rooms and they lock you in the room. You pay them to lock you in the room and then you have to figure out how to get out of the room in a certain amount of time, right? Like this is what we do for fun in America for some reason. But uh, it doesn't make much sense outside of that. But we understand it's, it's fun for whatever reason. I don't know. But, but if you've done them, you've done, you know, it's a group of like what, six, seven, eight people and you all go in the room. And here you are in this escape room. You're locked in. You're, you're looking for clues. And so it's like, hey, you do that over here. I got the black light flash. I see a code up here. Hey, the code to the padlock is this. And everybody's working together. Can I tell you what? There's not much discussion about uh, sports going on. There's not much discussion about politics going on. There's nobody cares what color shirt the other person's wearing. Why? Because there's urgency. Because there's synergy. And you know what the most important part of that escape room is? The clock. If it wasn't for the clock, we would just talk, we'd just small talk. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll find the code when we find the code. we got plenty of time. But no, the clock creates the urgency. And can I tell you, Christian, that there's a clock on every one of our lives as well. We only have so much time on this side of eternity. I don't know what your clock is. You don't know what my clock is. But if we're going to live in love like Jesus, we have to live with an urgency to reach others, an urgency to help others where they are. Jesus lived with urgency because he knew his time was short. Verse number six, we see that he actually takes action to it. Verse number six, when he had thus spoken, he told them that. Then he spat on the ground and he made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go, wash in the pool of Shilom, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and he washed and came, seeing. The thing I see here is that when Jesus recognized the need, he was always moved to action. It, was, it would be one thing for Jesus to stop and notice this man. Even have sympathy on this man would be one thing. But it's often recorded in the scriptures the phrase, Jesus was moved with compassion. That idea of being moved with compassion is that your eye affects your heart so much to cause you to take action for the need that you see. And what I think the problem is in America and even around the world is that we see so much around us and that our eyes are no longer affected by what we see. We see hurting people. We see people who need the love of Christ, but we simply don't move to action like Jesus did. Jesus took time to take action and help this man where he was. Can I tell you this, though, that I think a big difference between what I see in Jesus' life and in my life, quite frankly, is that Jesus didn't live a busy life. Jesus lived an intentional life. And man, if there's one thing that combats, why don't we take action when we see needs? I think most often it's simply because we're busy. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. But if we can recognize Jesus was also doing that. It says, as Jesus passed by, he saw the man. What just happened, right, as Jesus, before Jesus was passing by? He was getting stones thrown at him. It wasn't a convenient time. Life wasn't great, but he took time and he helped somebody. Why? Because he lived with urgency. He lived intentionally. You see, friends, so often we can just get so busy or so um, numb to all the needs around us. And, and the truth is, I say this all the time, I think that the, the problems around us, the needs of, of sharing God's love are so great that often they paralyze us as Christians, Our heart desires to do something, but we don't even know where to begin, so we just don't. And how many times is that the case in our life? There are so many needs around us that we just don't do anything. There's a pastor that said a quote many years ago that's helped me a lot in, in how I try to live my life. And he said this quote. He said, do for one what you'd like to do for all. Just stop and think about that. Do for one what you'd like to do for all. You see, often as Christians, and I know this, and I I believe I know your heart, if you're here today, you probably have a heart that desires to help others, whether it be help them with a, a need they have or show them their ultimate need of Jesus Christ, sharing God's love. That's our heart. But why why don't we? Because it's just, how can I help everybody? I want to. And so therefore, we'll say blanket statements like, I I want our world to be reached for the cause of Christ. I want our community to be reached for the cause of Christ. And we, we just make those general statements. But instead, we should just do for one what we'd like to do for all. Do for one. Just who's your one that you can reach where you are? I notice as well that through this story, as well as throughout all of Scripture, and this is the main reason why really I was drawn to medical missions outreach to serve full time with. Because Jesus often stopped, and addressed, stopped to address people's physical needs before even addressing their spiritual needs. You see, I grew up in a church environment that honestly kind of did it differently. We would tell a lot of people, strangers even, God loves you and here's what you need to know. And, and they would receive sometimes, but a lot of times they would reject And then once maybe they accepted Christ, then we would say, hey, how can we help you with your needs? I see Jesus doing it the other way. Jesus says, listen, I know what your greatest need is. And you and I know that a person's greatest need is Jesus Christ. That's what they need. But what they think their greatest need is, is something totally different. And so Jesus took time to help people with their physical needs, even before addressing their spiritual needs. Maybe it looks like a neighbor who just simply has a need. It's a widowed lady who who just, just needs help with something around her house. Maybe we could stop and help her with what she needs, which then would give us opportunity to tell her about Jesus Christ. Give opportunity to say, hey, I attend church over at Bethlehem Church. Would you like to come with me Sunday? And how much more prone would she be once that relationship is built? Once you've already helped her with what her need is, boy, that's how Jesus helped other people. He stopped and helped them right where they were. And I know what you might be thinking. I know what I think a lot of times about this. If I do that, Joseph, you're, you're proposing it's gonna, it's gonna cost me a lot of time and probably a lot of money. If we stop and help people where they are, it's, it's, it gets messy. It gets, <laughs> it'll cost us something. But again, I'll encourage you, do for one what you'd like to do for all. No, we can't all stop and help every need that we see. But when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, stop and help the one that he's telling you to help. And I'll promise you, if you're open to it, and if your heart's opened even this week yet, you'll go into your workplace seeing something a little different. Who's my one? Who's the one person that I could, I could minister to right where they are, helping them with their needs? Maybe it's just a coworker who, who, who's dealing with a, a marriage relationship. They just need to talk sometimes, Maybe it's your, your friend who just lost a loved one, just listening to them. Sure, it'll cost you a couple of hours, but that's what we do. We give of ourselves so that we can really share what the ultimate need is. This man here, he, he goes and he washes and his eyes are opened. He comes back seeing, the Bible says. And now what should be the greatest day of his life, man, for the first time ever, his eyes are open to see the clouds and the sun, and he, see a person, he sees a person's face for the very first time. And he's kind of rejoicing in that because he's so happy. And verse 8 tells us that the neighbors who had seen him before when he was blind, they see him and they say, isn't this the man who sat and was begging? And they're like, yeah, I think it is. Let's go ask him. Hey, what happened to you? And he says, well, it's the craziest thing. I was just sitting there begging and this group of people came by and he, he said he was Jesus and he healed my eyes. And they said, wait, was that today? And he said, yeah, that was today. And I said, that can't be. This is the Sabbath day. Jesus can't do that on the Sabbath day because it's, it's sacred. And they said, no, I'm telling you, that's what happened. So they said, come with us. And they took him into the, the temple and to where the spiritual leaders of the day are. And they said, this man claims that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. And the spiritual leader said, oh, that can't be because it's a Sabbath day. And Jesus wouldn't do that. That's not Jesus Christ you're claiming. He said, I'm telling you, he said his name was Jesus. That's all I know. And they call in his parents. And they say, your son's claiming that he was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath day. And in verse number 20, we see the parents' testimony. It says, his parents answered and said, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But what means he now sees? We don't know. How how his eyes have been opened? We know not. He's of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. And they said, okay, son, what do you have to say? And he said, listen, I was there begging. I couldn't see anything. A guy came by, said he was Jesus, told me to go wash, I wash and now I see. And then at the, verse 34, we pick up the story. They answered and said unto him, they is the spiritual leaders of that day, they said unto him, thou wast altogether born in sins and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. My goodness, what this man, what should have been the most amazing day of this man's life, He's rejected by the spiritual leaders of the day. His parents wouldn't even stick up for him, and he's thrown out on his own. It doesn't sound like wholeness and healing to me. But let me show you verse number 35. See it says Jesus Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he uh lost some place and when he said unto him <laughs> Start over, verse number 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him he said unto him, "Dost thou believe on the Son of God?" And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said said unto him, thou hast both seen him, and is he that talketh with thee? And he said, Lord, I believe. Can I tell you that Jesus knew that without the acknowledgement of who the Savior is, this man would not be made whole. In fact, let me show you in verse number 35, we saw that Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he, that's Jesus, had found him, that's the blind man. You see, Jesus knew this was going to happen, and so he, he had already healed his eyes, but he went back intentionally to make sure this man could know who his Savior was. Can I tell you that Jesus always seeks to heal and redeem mankind. Jesus was not satisfied enough that his eyes were simply open. He said he will not be made whole. He will not be made complete until he knows who his Savior is, until he knows who he ought to worship. And can I tell you today, Christian, as well, the same is true for you and I. We seek wholeness. We seek completion all over the place in our society. We seek it through promotions. We seek it through bigger houses. We seek it through nicer clothes, maybe a faster car. But that will not provide happiness, wholeness, and completion in our life. We're grasping at things that will just simply leave us empty, and what we need to do is bow down and worship Jesus Christ. We need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, and can I tell you just how I started this little talk today is that Jesus sees people as individuals. Can I tell you that you qualify as an individual as well that Jesus sees and cares for and loves Every single person here, it's almost overwhelming. It's almost hard to grasp our mind around that. Jesus cares about where you are, what your problem is, what you're dealing with. You see, this man thought his greatest need was, was blindness. He thought his greatest need was his eyes, and so Jesus helped him with that. He cared about him so much, but Jesus knew what he really needed was that relationship. Boy, today, you and I, can we just acknowledge that we will never be made whole, without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even as Christians, we struggle with this, grasping for so many things that are not going to satisfy, except for Jesus Christ. But then once we realize that, once we've taken that in, can I ask you, how are we going to tell others about Jesus? How are we going to share this good news? You see, I believe there are many different ways to tell others about Christ. You can do it through knocking on someone's door and telling a stranger. You can do it through posting on social media. But what I see Jesus doing is stopping and taking some time, noticing an individual where he is, seeing, a, seeing a, not a project or a problem, but seeing someone who has a future, who's loved by God, and then investing in that person so that they have the opportunity to share the love of Christ. Can I ask you, who might your one be? Don't worry, because you think, oh, it's just one. What is that going to do? Can I tell you that Christianity was never designed with the idea of addition. It was always multiplication. And when we only think about Christianity through addition, we might think, oh, we'll never reach the world for the cross of Christ, but it's always been multiplication. Why did Jesus Christ only choose 12 to start with? because he knew that could multiply and spread all around the world. And don't minimize the one who might be in your life who needs you to invest in them, needs you to love them. That's what we're called to do as Christians. People need our love. People need acceptance. People need encouragement in this day and age. People need hope and healing. But we must understand that's only going to be found through Jesus Christ. Can we bow our heads and, and just take a minute to, to really try to take this in? I know it's, it's a big thought to even think about how Jesus loves us. And we trust him for, for our salvation. I know we have that relationship. But can I tell you, he cares about you right where you are. <laughs> uh, your problems that you're facing this week, relationally, financially, all the tension that's in your life, Jesus knows about that. Hey, rest in that. Give that to him understand that we we have needs, but our greatest need, our wholeness and our completion is going to be found only through that relationship, through worshiping our Savior. Remember that we cannot give something we have not received. And so I don't want us as Christians, if we try to tell others about Christ without receiving his own love into our life, we'll be left burnt out, we'll be left empty. And so receive that love into your life. Say, God, thank you for loving me Thank you for caring about me as an individual. If there was a whole crowd of people today, Jesus would notice you as an individual. Jesus has a capacity that we can even understand to know our needs and to love us where we are. And that's what Jesus is for you. But then, man, we sure have a responsibility. We sure have a commission. How will we tell others about his love? Let me challenge you to do for one what you'd like to do for all. And in that, we can reach this world. I'll do my part, you do your part. We're all part of the body of Christ that we each have different mission fields, we each have different places, but if we all do what we're called to do with just one, God can use that in a mighty, mighty way. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.